Are you ready for God's word this morning? We've been doing a series the last several weeks entitled Transforming Grace from Romans chapter 12, verse 2, being our foundational verse where it tells us to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, being transformed. And we've been looking into the scriptures, discovering that it really is possible to experience transformation. We have no need to be trapped in, our, in the same vices that we've been uh, bound by in years gone by. We should be able to look back at our lives, look in the rearview mirror and say, I, I'm, I'm making progress. I'm not at the finish line yet, but God certainly is doing a work in me. I'm certainly a much nicer person today than I was yesterday or, or a year ago or whatever. I'm, I'm kinder, I'm gentler, I'm more loving, I'm quicker to forgive, I smile more. And I love people more. I love God more. I love to worship more than I ever did. You know, this transformation is something that should be taking place in our lives. And we should be enjoying the journey, coming to a place that we realize that we really can change and that we are not forever locked into whatever patterns nature or nurture left us with in our childhood. It really is possible to see a new reality created in our lives. The Apostle Paul referred to it in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 that we, when we come to Christ, we are, we are a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have been made new. And so that's a verse that many people are familiar with, but yet we kind of just say, yeah, I'm familiar with that verse from an intellectual standpoint, but do we really believe it in our lives that we are a new creation, that old things have passed away, and that all things have been made brand new. I'm created in the image and in the likeness of God, and I, his love has been deposited into my heart. I am able to love as he loved. I'm able to forgive as he forgave. I'm able to enjoy the gifts and the callings and the graces that he's put on my life, and that I really, and on a regular basis, I am experiencing transformation in my life. That is the... That is the ultimate goal, is becoming more Christ-like. Each and every day, we are more and more Christ-like. So we looked at various aspects of the grace of God. We discovered that God's grace is multifaceted from 1 Peter 4.10. Multifaceted, it's multidimensional, it's manifested in many ways. Uh, the primary way that we've been introduced to grace is in our salvation. We've been I've made aware of the fact that we are saved by grace through faith, and that it's not of ourselves. It's not of works, lest we should boast about it. But grace, we have been born again into the kingdom by the grace of Almighty God. It's his gift to us. I did not participate in that. He bestowed that gift upon me. And so he receives the honor. He receives all the glory for it. But uh, along with this manifold grace of God, we recognize that uh, in 1 Peter 4.10 that we are instructed to be good stewards. Everyone say a good steward. So we're to be good stewards of the manifold or multifaceted grace of God that's been given to us. And so we have a responsibility. If we're going to steward it well, we need to understand it, we need to grow in it, and we need to develop grace in our lives. It's not something that's just for beginners. It's not something where I'm born again by the grace of God. And, and, and many times people recognize that in another common usage of the word grace is oh, only by the grace of God I am what I am or just by the grace of God I made it in or you know it's just something that it's just it's like a last minute it's like a, a life vest that's being tossed to you just before you drowned in the sea 
of humanity and the, the sea of sin. You know, just at the very last moment, grace appeared. Well, it, it does appear, but you know, grace, when you, study the, when you study grace in the Word of God, grace also teaches us how to live so we're not in that desperate situation every moment of every day. It teaches us how to live uh, above sin. It teaches us that we have been that we're no longer in bondage, enslaved to sin. We're no longer under law, and we're no longer subject to sin because we're no longer under law, but we are now under the grace of God. And we discovered that where sin abounds and is multiplying and is expanding, grace does much more abound. So as you see sin abounding, you see sin expanding, you see sin becoming darker and bolder in the culture, that's not a time to just become discouraged and kind of give up and, and just kind of, well, we're going to hang on until Jesus comes back. No, grace is much more powerful than that. As we see the world becoming darker and sin expanding and multiplying and in our face, bold, boldly in our face, that's the very time that we can fully anticipate that, yeah, that, yes, that's what's happening in the world system. But the Word of God declares that when sin is expanding and multiplying and becoming bolder and just more prevalent in our lives, attacking us and in our culture, just manifesting in ways that we haven't even dreamt that it would manifest, at that very time, grace does much more abound, much more multiplying, much more expanding. And so we need to believe that, and the, and the reason, and when we believe that, we remain confident. We don't, in a sense, you know, we're not throwing up the white flag. We're not surrendering, say, well, the world wins. Sin has won out, and uh, just pray to God that, you know, Jesus come any day now and just get us out of this misery. I believe the church is going to finish strong. Jesus said he's coming for a church that's without spot or wrinkle. And so I believe we're going to finish strong. Thank you for your overwhelming enthusiasm in that. But <laughs> now, if I were to say I believe the Eagles are going to finish strong, what would your response be? <laughs> A mixed response. That's good. <laughs> if I were to say the Redskins are going to finish strong this year, what would your response be? <laughs> we have a long way to go, folks. Back to grace, all right? <laughs> Back to grace. Grace is going to cause us to be victorious. It's going to cause us to finish strong as a church. It's going to cause us to finish strong as individuals because grace is readily available to assist us in every area. It's multifaceted for your salvation, for your stewardship, for, your, uh, for the fruit of the Spirit, just every area of your life that you can think of. There, there's a grace for that, and so we, we can fully anticipate that he's always going to be with us. This morning, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And we are going to endeavor to finish this up this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I want to look at a, a particular grace that the Apostle Paul spoke of here in Corinthians. And he's talking to the, he's writing to the church at Corinth, but he's using the church of Macedonia and, and the circumstances that they were in as an example of God's grace available concerning their stewardship. But it's not only, in, I mean, in this, this example, he's talking about stewardship, but I want you to know that this grace, this, the same principles that are being applied here are available in every area of your life. 
So in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, he says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God. So he's making known the grace of God bestowed or given on the churches of Macedonia. Then in verse 2, it says that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he, should, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in your faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. I'm speaking not by commandment, but I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. And verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. So in using the church of Macedonia, and he's using an example to, to, the, to the church at Corinth. He said, listen, this church in Macedonia, they were right in the middle of a very, very great trial of affliction. And they were also experiencing deep poverty. But right in the middle of that great trial of affliction and right in the middle of experiencing deep poverty came to them heavenly assistance. Specific grace came to them that resulted in something that, in verse 2, I just find it hard to believe that they're in the same sentence, but it says, in the great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy. Today, when there's a great trial of affliction going on in our lives, we want to whine and cry about it. We want to make sure everyone knows about it and feels sorry for us. Amen. Never let a trial and affliction go to waste, right? But that's not what was happening here. In the great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. So their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. It's hard to even wrap the mind around that. Say, well, why would this be a time for great joy and, and, and liberality to be manifested? This is a time when people are supposed to feel sorry for me. I'm going through this situation right now. I'm really having a difficult time. This is a time for me to be sad. This is a time for me to be mourning. This is a time for everyone to feel sorry for me. But no, what happened here is in, 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 when they were experiencing this, they experienced a heavenly assistance. They experienced a grace. Their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Now, this is related. Uh, we can tie this together with Mark chapter 12. So if you turn to Mark 12 for a moment in verse 41, I believe it starts. Mark 12 and verse 41. It says, now when Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury and many who were rich put in, 
Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrant. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury, for they all put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. So here's an example of what it's talking about, that in her deep poverty, grace abounded, and grace caused her to be more liberal than all the wealthier people that were putting in large sums of money, but they weren't putting in everything that they had. They were just putting in a portion of what they had. You know, if you have Warren Buffett giving a, a billion dollars to Grace Church, and we have you giving a million dollars to Grace Church, who gave more? <laughs> if Warren Buffett gives a billion to Grace Church, and you give a million to Grace Church, who gave more? You did. Well, he's given a billion. You only gave a million. You gave it all. All right. You said it. You said it. Because I just talked to Warren Buffett this morning. <laughs> Not... The point being is she gave more. She abounded in her giving more than those that looked like they were abounding in their giving. And so always remember that grace, your, your deep trials of affliction and your deep poverty that you are experiencing is not a good reason not to allow the grace of God to be flowing through your life and giving into the kingdom, sowing into the kingdom. Notice Jesus wasn't watching this uh, offering being taken. I was pondering on this. I thought, what we're going to do is we're going to put GoPros on our ushers. <laughs> and we're just going to watch who's giving what. That's what Jesus did. That's the example. That's the lesson here. <laughs> Some people are looking at him and saying, what's a GoPro? Ask someone younger than me. <laughs> the idea is that Jesus was watching what people are putting in, and he acknowledged that this poor widow woman who only put in two mites, from her vantage point in life, she gave everything that she had, and the grace of God is what enabled her to give of herself, to give unto the Lord, and Jesus acknowledged that. So grace that motivated, it was grace will motivate the believers with Christ-like desire. No matter what your circumstances that you are encountering right now, if you will draw on the grace of God, it will motivate you with a Christ-like desire. Your desire to sow into the kingdom, your desire to, to uh, support the kingdom work here on planet earth, which we are all called to do. We're all called to be members of the kingdom and each one is to give. So your desire to do that, it's not valid to say, well, I really desire to do it, but I can't do it. The honest truth is you may be thinking you want to do it, but you can't do it. But the truth is you can do it. You're just not willing to do it. 
and you're not willing to do it because of your circumstances. And you're not experiencing the joy and you're not experiencing grace that will enable you and not only enable you, but make you willing. Grace makes us willing. So it's a great joy and a willingness. You say, well, how can I ever get to that place where I would be willing to give when it feels like I have nothing to give? Everyone has something to give. Don't not give thinking, well, you know, what's my $10 going to do or what's my $100 going to do or what's my million dollars going to do if all these other people are giving these other much larger amounts? It's not based on that. It's based on where you are. If you're very poor and you're giving $100, you're, you're, you're probably giving more than someone that gave $1,000. But that's between you and the Lord. We're not here to judge that. The GoPro thing, just relax. Don't leave Grace Church because... <laughs> you, you can't leave because of that because we have cameras and we're seeing you leave, all right? <laughs> so you're stuck. You're here today. You're forever a Graceite, no matter where you go. The idea is that it's between you and God, but the principles of the grace of God. So turn back again to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And so I find it very interesting that in the, in the great trial of affliction, in verse 2, the abundance of their joy, it was an abundance of joy, and their deep poverty wasn't just a hard time. It was deep poverty. There's some serious financial issues going on here. They abounded in the riches of their liberality. And then in verse 3, gives you some clues as to how we can get in, tap into this grace, open up our hearts for this grace to be poured into our hearts. Like, it was, like this grace was given to them, it's given to us as well. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability... Beyond their ability. Grace, the grace of God will enable you to do things beyond your ability. We have been defining grace as God's power, God's strength in you, enabling you to do what you cannot do in your own strength. Grace will cause you to do things beyond your ability. And to do so freely. Freely, You are freely willing to do beyond what you can do because you love God, because you're drawing on the grace of God. You are freely willing to do beyond what you can do. So never, ever again say, I want to, but I can't. You can do something. Look at your neighbor and say, you can do something. So everyone can do something. And what that something is, that is between you and the Lord. You and the Lord. But we have been brainwashed many times in thinking that, well, my amount that I can give is really not going to make a difference. So I'm not going to, I'm just not going to give it. I don't feel like I can give it. And so I'm not going to give it because other people's gifts, you know, just drown out what I'm doing, so why bother? Amen. Well, you should bother with it, and you should be giving it unto the Lord. Notice Jesus didn't say, uh, wait a minute, uh, ushers, bring that offering over here. I noticed that this lady, this poor widow lady, she put everything that she had, and we can't take that. 
Now, we can't receive that from her. She's a widow woman. She's poor, and she put it into the offering, and we just can't accept that. Jesus didn't give it back to her. The reason he didn't give it back to her is because he wasn't being mean he didn't, and that he didn't have any regard for a poor widow woman, but he knew that in sowing, she would reap. So he, he, in giving it back to her, which some people think, well, why didn't he give it back to her? Well, giving it back to her would have kept her in the same situation she was in. Would you rather have the two mites back or would you rather have the hundredfold on it? The hundredfold. And so that's why Jesus didn't give it back. He wasn't being cruel and unjust. He knew what, what he was doing and he knew what she was doing. So don't allow yourself to be talked into thinking, well, it's not worth it. It doesn't make a difference. It makes a difference when it's in the hand of God, in the hands of God. Consider yourself to be very philanthropic. See, the people that give large amounts of money, they get the headlines. Philanthropist has given so and such, you know, several million dollars to this college or to Grace Church or to whatever. And that, that gets the headlines when people give millions and people give billions of dollars. And you think, oh, they're so philanthropic. That would be so cool. I wish I could be philanthropic. You can be philanthropic. You can start with a dollar. You can start with $10. You say, well, how can I start being philanthropic with $10? Give someone $10 that could use it more than you, than you need it. Amen. Just start blessing people. Now, the world may not look at that as being philanthropic, but... God looks at it. He says, this woman gave more than everyone else. So if you're feeling really poor and things are really tight right now, just go ahead and give something, and that'll put you beyond what Warren Buffett has given to us. <laughs> grace. Everyone say grace. grace. It's multifaceted. And there's a grace specifically for you in your stewardship. It's for you and your stewardship. There's grace for you to prosper Amen. and to be in health even as your soul prospers. Amen. There's a grace for you to learn to steward well what God has given you. Prosper. The ability to do what God has called you to do. To pay your bills and have left over to be a blessing. Yes. That's what God wants of you. That's the idea of it. So the grace that motivated the believers, this grace motivated the believers with a Christ-like desire. They were made willing by grace beyond their ability. And this grace also caused them to discover a level of joy far beyond what their circumstances dictated. A level of joy far beyond what their circumstances dictated. Oh, I'll be happy when... <laughs> well, grace says, I'm happy now. Forget that I'll be happy when I reach a certain income level, or I'll be happy when certain things happen. I'll be happy when I get to this stage, or get to this goalpost, or get to this mile marker. No, you're happy now. Grace brings a joy, a level of joy far beyond what your circumstances dictate. Again, as a culture, we have a tendency, as a culture, we, we, have, we have a sympathy, and we have given people a license to, to uh, not be happy and to not participate in sowing because of their circumstances. 
But we should be encouraging one another. We should be encouraging ourselves that by the grace of God, I can participate. By the grace of God, I am experiencing the joy of the Lord right in the middle of this great trial of affliction. I'm experiencing the joy of Almighty God. There have been several times in my life when circumstances didn't dictate to be happy and to wake up singing, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. But you encourage yourself. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will be glad in it in Jesus' name. I will be glad in it. Drawing on the grace of God. Drawing on the grace of God. So we need to learn to, to tap into it and believe that this grace can be manifested. So this grace that we're speaking of, this grace that motivates believers with a Christ-like desire, a grace that motivates people, makes people willing by the grace of God to, uh, to do beyond their own ability, a grace that discovers a level of joy far beyond what their circumstances dictate, this grace is available to bring transformation in your life as well as it brought transformation into the Macedonian church. This was not just for them. Paul's writing to say, here's what happened in Macedonia. Here's what can happen in Corinth. And, and, and we can also say, and here's what's to happen in Grace Church today. We can have this grace bring about a transformation in our lives. But when we want to submit ourselves here in verse 5, it says in verse 5, it says, and not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. So the first step in giving yourself and experiencing the grace of God to the degree that we're speaking of here is to give yourself over to the Lord. So, well, Pastor Ray, I did surrender my life. I accepted him as my Lord and Savior, but are you still yielding to him? Are you still surrendered to him in every area of your life? In the midst of great trials and affliction, are you still yielded to him? Say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, I believe that in every trial of affliction, you make a way of escape. In every, trust, in every test, in every trial, your word declares you make a way of escape. Father, I thank you for it. I take joy in my way of escape. I thank you I'm coming out of this wilderness just like Jesus came out of the wilderness, strong, strong, filled with the Holy Spirit and with power, stronger than when he went in. I'm coming out of this affliction. I'm coming out of this trial. I'm coming out of this time of deep financial stress. I'm coming out of it better and sharper and a better steward than I ever was before. And I'm going to see the windows of heaven, heaven open and flowing to me like I never had before. But the key is give yourself first to God, then to the work of the ministry. God's will for you. God's grace gifting on you. Just like the widow woman, she gave everything to God. You give yourself over to God first. Say, God, I'm surrendered to you. What would you have me do? I'm not giving out a compulsion. I'm not, I'm not being, I'm having my arms twisted to give. Lord, I am surrendered to you. I want your grace to be manifested in my life. In Jesus' name, I want your grace. Is that what you want this morning? The grace of Almighty God. The grace of Almighty God. After all these statements that he made here concerning the grace of God in verse 7. It says, as you abound in everything, you know, it's just as abounding means that you're growing, you're expanding in it, you are abounding in your faith, you're abounding in your speech, you're abounding in knowledge, you're abounding in your love. So see to it, 
See to it, notice it's your responsibility. See to it that you are abounding, growing, developing in this grace. Everyone say this grace. This, is, this grace is referring to stewardship. The grace on your stewardship. Grow in it. Grow in it. Get beyond the fact that, well, I guess I'm having great financial stress. Things are really tight. What I need is I need more money. That sounds like a simple answer. What you need before you need more money is you, you need more grace. You want to abound in the grace of God because if you just pour more money onto your situation, into the situation that you're in, and nothing else changes, you'll still be in that situation. You may be relieved for a day or two or a week or two, but you'll be right back in the same situation. So what people need is more grace. What I need is more grace. What you need is more grace. See to it that you abound in this grace. Then if you, I want to encourage you as, as homework, read chapter 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and read it right along with 2 Corinthians chapter 9. They go together, and in totality, they're talking about you know, the importance of godly stewardship and, and tapping into the grace of God in your stewardship. Because in, in a verse 8 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says, God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always have all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. This means that you will always be completely sufficient. There are no circumstances that you cannot deal with in the joy of the Lord with all sufficiency when grace abounds toward you. When grace abounds toward you. So he made a lot of incredible statements in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 concerning grace, concerning sufficiency, concerning abundance. And after he makes all these profound statements concerning grace on our stewardship, in verse 14, he says, and, and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. And it's after all these incredible statements about cheerfulness in giving, statements about sowing and reaping, statements about uh, liberality, statements about generosity. Paul tells us that the source of all these things, cheerfulness, cheerfulness, sowing, reaping, liberality, generosity, that the source of all of it is the exceeding grace of God in you and on you. And in the last verse there, verse 15 of 2 Corinthians 9, he says, thanks be to God for his incredible, incredible, excuse me, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Think about that. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of God, it's really hard to define it. it. It can feel so elusive, it can feel, but it's so multidimensional, it's really hard to just take it. Well, in seven weeks, we're going to define it, you'll have it. It's multifaceted, and we can put it into seven sermons, seven teachings, and, and now you have it. Folks, I feel like we're just scratching the surface, just whetting your appetite to the grace of God that's available to you. But know that no matter what stage of life you're in, there are seasons of life. It's nothing, there's nothing wrong with uh, saying, well, gee, I've, I'm feeling guilty because I'm going through some tough times. Don't feel guilty for going through tough times. Feel blessed that God is with you and he's for you and his grace is sufficient and he'll get you through it Amen. in Jesus' name.
Amen. Well, I just feel like I'm not much of an asset to the church. I'm not much of an asset to the kingdom of God because, you know, I can barely buy groceries and put fuel in my car. So, Pastor Ray, you know, you say all those things, but I don't see you struggling to put fuel in your car. I have. I have struggled to put fuel in my car when gas was not $2 and $3. I struggled to put fuel in my car when gas was 70 cents and 80 cents. I remember being in Bible school one morning thinking, I have enough gas to get to school, I have enough gas to get home, but I don't have enough gas to get to the job site that I was working on. I was working part-time as an electrician. I don't have enough gas to get to the job site and back and then still have enough gas to get to work the next day. I mean, to get to school again the next day because you know, until I get paid. I remember what that's like to thinking about it. How's that gonna work? But thanking God and trusting God. And then getting home from school, and one of the guys I worked with on the job site called and said, hey, he said, I just think I should, I just, I'm going to come by and pick you up. I'll take you to West Tulsa today. I said, I think that's a great idea. I would love a ride today. <laughs> and because of that ride to work the next day, and then he did the same thing the next day, I had enough fuel in my car to get to school and back and until I got paid that Friday to put gas in my car. So I know what it's like. I know what it's like to look at it and say, I'm, I'm broke. I have no money to put gas in my car, and this is how much I have. And so I've been there and done that. I have more examples than that one. I can give you some other ones as well. But I know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the grace of God on my life. And the grace of God causing me to, to uh, come out of circumstances that looked like they were just not able to come out of them, that they're going to bury me and put me under. But grace has always appeared. And it will appear to you also. The key to it is give yourself to God. Say, God, I'm yours. I'm doing this because I believe you called me to do it. This is not a joy ride. I'm not doing this just for kicks. I didn't leave what I left to do what I'm doing just so I could experience these trials and circumstances. This is for you, Father. You receive the glory. You receive the honor. I'm coming out of this, and I'm coming out of it victorious in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The good news is I can afford gas much better today at the price it is today than I could 30, 40 years ago when it was a whole lot cheaper. So stop thinking, well, if only I would have lived back when gas was 40 cents. You're not living back then. You're living now. And some of you people are thinking, well, I remember when gas was 25 cents. <laughs> I do too. I just didn't want to tell you that. <laughs> I know that grace makes you look much younger than you really are. I know that. <laughs> Praise God for it. So, folks, I'm going to close out this series. by Let's give ourselves over to God. Let's do it. Amen. Would you please stand? Let me pray for all of us and receive this prayer, this commitment to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you this morning for your abundant grace and your mercy. Lord, your grace is so multifaceted. When you start talking about it and try to define it and try to teach it and put it in different boxes and different departments and applications to our lives, it, you know, it just continues to evolve, and it's just far bigger than we can wrap our minds around. So we receive this, Paul said, this indescribable gift. I believe he was referring to this grace that caused the Macedonian church in their deep afflictions, their great trials and deep 
afflictions and their deep poverty, a supernatural joy manifested and a, and a supernatural provision. And you, they, in, in the midst of those trials, they dedicated themselves to you. So Father, this morning, we commit ourselves, we rededicate ourselves to you anew today. And we encourage everyone in here, no matter what season you're in, you may be in that deep trial of affliction, or you may be saying, well, things are going better right now and things are much more comfortable. That's good. Allow God to stretch you and to continue to lead you and to guide you and direct you. Ultimately, what we're doing, Father, is we want to surrender our lives to you. Your will be done. Your will be done. We no longer want to be conformed to this world, but, Father, all of us are desiring to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So stay in the process of studying the Word of God, being a student, renewing your mind, being willing to change the way you think, be willing to change the things that you believe when the Holy Spirit brings revelation to you from the Word of God. Be willing to say, yes, Lord, I believe your Word. This is what I used to think, but I see your Word declares this truth. I embrace the truth of your word. I receive that joy right in the circumstances I'm in. I receive the grace in these circumstances, no matter what circumstances we are talking about now, whether it be physical health, relational, financial, we receive grace on it right now in the name of Jesus, name above all names. And I thank you, Lord God. We are coming out of every trial of affliction. We are coming out of it. As Jesus said that we are to take joy, that in this world we'll have tribulation, but be of great joy and experience my peace, for I have overcome the world. So, Father, we are overcomers in Christ Jesus this day. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, praise God. Thank you so much. Next Sunday we're starting a series called Influence, and we're looking at what happens in you. What happens in you speaks of your circumstances. What happens? Got it wrong. Come next Sunday, I'll tell you what. What happens to you speaks of your circumstances. What happens in you speaks of your character. What happens through you speaks of your influence. So all these things that are happening and going on, we're going to mix them around, but they're going to come out as a positive influence on a lost and dying world. So God bless you. We love you. If you need any prayer, make your way up here. Someone would be happy to pray with you. In Jesus' name. God bless you. See you.